This is an audio presentation of God First Church, Cheltenham, England. A community of Jesus followers, worshipping God first, proclaiming God first, and together living God first lives. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk. morning. Uh, So we're in a mini-series at the moment from Acts 2, and I've literally been given about four words to preach from today. So a caveat to this is in my limited experience of preaching is that uh, usually it's what the Lord wants to teach me about. So by no means am I an expert on community. As I've been preparing this, I've been thinking, oh, that's touching a nerve. So uh, please bear with me as I also learn with you today. So we've been looking at this mini-series called Devoted. Howard kicked us off last week about devoted to the word, and this week we're looking at devoted to life together. So, in typical teacher fashion, I was like, right, let's get some stats about what is community really like out there in the world. So, here's some slightly frightening stats that I found out just through our friend Google. (coughs) So, this is the way society is at the moment. So in England, one in six people report experiencing common mental health problems such as anxiety or depression. In any given week, they worry about money, jobs, benefits, makes it half people to cope. The marriage rate has dropped almost half by half since 1970. There were 26.7 million households in the UK in 2014. 28% of these contained only one person. In 2014, there were 2 million lone parents with dependent children in the UK. Women account for 91% of lone parents with dependent children. 17% of older people uh, are in contact with family, friends and neighbours less than once a week. 11% are in contact less than once a month. Over half of people over age uh, 75 often live alone. Two-fifths of older people say that television is their main company. So I could have got loads of stats up there about all different parts of society, but these are the ones that really stuck out for me. So when we talk about community, we're not just talking about the community that we're trying to live in. It's also what is it like outside the walls of the church because they're the people that we want to join us in this community. We want to go out into their community. So we need to know really what that community looks like. This is the daily truth of people in our society our neighbours, our streets, our churches. And when I was reading these stats, especially for old people, it really breaks my heart. You might feel represented in these stats. You might be a lone parent. You might be someone who lives on your own. You might be of a certain age where actually you don't, people don't contact you very much during the week. We live in a really fragmented society, but we're part of these communities. We're atomised, self-sufficient, inward, individualistic. We keep to our own and somehow this is what we've become. It's a long way from Acts 2, verse 42, we're going to look at in a minute. When I was preparing this, I was reminded of a really great quote from a film called Crash. It's an Oscar-winning film from 2004, and its opening line says, We're always behind this metal and glass. I think we miss that touch so much that we crash into each other just so we can feel something. 
It's saying that we protect ourselves and our lives so much, we build walls around us so we don't really let anybody in. Even if that's our family unit and we feel like we're doing community within our own homes, we're still building this glass wall around us that people can't come into that. The feeling of isolation. No one really knows me. I'm an individual. It's in every area of our lives. It's even in the church. So let's look at the early church model. This is our verse for today. This is Acts 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. I love the message translation because that says, that day when 3,000 took him at his word, they were baptised and were signed up. They committed themselves to teaching of the apostles, the life together. They committed themselves to life together, the common meal and the prayers. I love that sense of community, being in fellowship, committing to actual daily life together. It's that joint participation. It's not passive. It doesn't happen by chance. It's an everyday occurrence. It's intentional. If your only encounter with G1 is this on a Sunday, the chances are you don't feel quite plugged into this community. If your only encounter with G1 is Sunday and your G1 seeing is Wednesday, there's a chance you still don't feel quite plugged into this, that you still feel somehow on the periphery. But Acts 2 verse 42 sets a really high bar. It's not something that they just did. It was who they were. And in the first century, if that was who they truly were and they still knew to chase after it, how much more do we need to pursue that today, 2,000 and however many years later? Last week, um, Howard talked about what devoted meant, how we're all devoted to something, and how maybe that's exams or football teams or gaming. It's how we're wired. We're all devoted. We're dedicated to something. We've got this inherent nature to want to belong, to identify with a group of people. So when I was preparing this, I was thinking, well, why, why do we have that? Why do we want to belong, even if it's things that we don't even realise about ourselves until maybe now? Well, because God himself is community, he is by pure definition, the Trinity, he defines himself by community relationships. First of all, he is the Father. God himself in nature is the community of the Trinity. His fa- the Father gives himself away to the Son and the Holy Spirit pours between them. What a great day of Pentecost to be thinking about that. Our God is unique in that, the three in one, that model of community. But are we unique in that? When people look at our church community, are we uniquely giving ourselves away to each other? Do we define ourselves by our community relationships? When you introduce yourself to people, do you say, oh, I'm I'm a dad, I'm a mum, I'm a sister? Is it your family relationships? Or do you say, actually, no, uh, I work at Tesco, I'm a student, I'm a doctor? Is it your family relationships that define you? As Christians, are we distinctive? Do we intentionally give ourselves away to each other? No was my answer when I was preparing this. So, the ultimate image of community and why it's so important for us to live like this is because we're creating the image of God. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We're created for community. We're made to be in relationship. It goes on in Genesis to say, It's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for women to be alone. It's not good for us to be alone. He's designed us that way. It's not by chance. 
From the start of creation, he modelled it in the Trinity and he believes that true for us today. It's not good for us to be alone. We're created as an extension of God's love. Love increases as you share it. And as a pregnant lady, I have been reassured by lots of people who've had more than one child that there will be a multiple of love when this baby arrives. We couldn't love Thea, our daughter, anymore, but I'm reassured that when the next one comes, there'll be this amazing amount of love for that baby too. It multiplies the more we give it away and hopefully double the blessing and double the lack of sleep. So then I was asking myself, okay, I understand the Trinity I'm, I'm really into that. I love the spirit and I can see how the father's given the son away and how he gives himself completely. But then, if that's what I'm made for, why on earth is it so, so hard to be in community all the time? Well, <clears throat> it takes time and effort. And it takes sacrifice. Giving of yourself, time, money, huge amounts of grace when you feel that you probably haven't got much left. How often have you felt like community has cost you If you ask the girls in my three, they'll say it's the thing I probably say the most. It really costs me to lead a G1C. It really costs me to have people in my house a lot. It really costs me. And they hold me accountable for that. It costs me to have to host people and to be interested in their lives, to ask them questions when I feel like I've got nothing else to give. It costs me. Bill Heibel says, Friendship and community takes time to build and it often costs you before it rewards you. We need to push through the awkwardness we feel, we need to work at it, we need to build trust to be real, to take a risk and be open. But then equally, we need to really listen, really notice and really remember. So community is a two-way street. If you rock up to your G1C and you talk about yourself more than you ask questions, now's the time to stop and reflect. How much do you listen to the people who are talking to you and telling you their day, their lives, their challenges? In church, we're all thrown together from different backgrounds. So community and friendship doesn't just spontaneously happen. Just because we're Christians doesn't mean we've suddenly got loads in common and we can be family together. If we want to go into community, we've got to be vulnerable. But we've also got to give. We can't just pitch up wanting our needs to be met as a driving force. In our G1Cs, we don't unite around our issues, but we, re- we unite around the gospel. Jesus is our hope, not the people in our community or the community itself. So let's do a bit of inward checking. This was helpful for me about what are the obstacles to our community. What are your obstacles and which of these things have you ever said to yourself? Our community is really hard because I haven't got anything to give. Why would anybody want to be in community with me? I've got nothing. Oh, I'm an introvert. I find community really hard. I don't like talking to people. And that does need to be respected, people who are introverted, but it's not a get-out clause. Coffee time at church is the absolute worst thing. Let's see a show of hands who's checking. <laughs> I'm one of those people. Coffee time for me is hard, and I'm not an introvert, but I really hate small talk. I'd much rather you said, how's your walk going with the Lord? How's your parenting going? How's your job? I don't, I'm not very good at, yeah, how's your week? Yeah, great, awkward. I want to go home now. I'm not very good at that. And let's admit, lots of us aren't. Some people are really gifted, and we've got some great people in this church, Abby Kang, who is amazing, amazing at welcoming people. And she's so interested, and she genuinely cares. But we can't rely on Abby to build this church as much as we think she's great at it. It's all of our jobs. This is a good one. I feel unloved for and uncared for in community. It doesn't meet my needs. It's a bit of a stinger, isn't it? It doesn't meet my needs. 
community there to meet your needs? I'm too aware of myself. It costs me personally. You take me as I am. This is who I am with all my edges. So if I'm a bit brisk or a bit rude, that's just who I am. It costs me to be in community too much. This is the one I hear myself say most to my husband who tells me off all the time. I'm too busy for G1C. I'm too tired. I've got kids and I work as well. Don't people know that? And I can hear myself. And he says, you say that every week. And I think, yes, I probably do. Doesn't mean that I can get out of community and stop loving the people that I'm blessed with in my community. The truth is that sin has fractured our community and we live in this imposter's dilemma, all hiding behind the fig leaves in the garden. We're so aware of our humanness and our failings. How many of you think, well, if you really knew me, you definitely wouldn't like me? In our three, we sometimes ask each other, uh, what's the question you'd least like me to ask you right now? It's horrible. Definitely do it if you're in a three. Because you think, oh, I know exactly what I don't want you to touch on in my life today. We present a version of ourselves and we're really good at that. We can have our masks on. And also when we sin, we often want to hide. We don't come on a Sunday. We miss G1C that week when really it's the best place for us to be. I read another great quote that says, there's no healing in hiding. So if you find yourself not wanting to go into community because you feel like if you really knew what I was like, you definitely, definitely wouldn't want to be in community with me, that's the place you need to be. And you need people that are going to ask those tough questions. What is it in your life you don't want me to ask you about? Go to your G1C no matter what. Call people up no matter what. Be the person that calls people. Don't wait to be invited for dinner at someone's house. Get them around to yours. That's how community starts to build. So then, what is it being a community at God first? What kind of model do we want to present here? Because I think we're pretty good at community here. All the new people that I've met since I've been here for the last five years have said, what a welcome. These people really love each other. And it's true, we do. We are good at welcoming. We are good at sharing life together. But is that good enough? We want our church community culture to be the opposite of the world. We want to be intentional, devoted, real, open and honest. Thessalonians says, we didn't only share the gospel, but also our lives. Living in community is the outworking of the gospel. God in the Trinity is open, overflowing, and we want to image that. He is the ultimate community model. There's this really hard quote that I read from Steve Timmis, who leads uh, the Crowded House Network. This is a high bar of what community life should and could look like. He says, you're in and out of each other's lives throughout the week, dropping in at lunch or tea. A number of you join a local book, film, sport or volunteer club. You stop off at the pub with workmates and you call ahead and a couple of people from your gospel community join you. You frequent the same cafes, pubs together. We walk the dogs, water the plant, look after the kids and wash the dishes. We are each other's sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, the kind of friends and neighbours everybody wants. You find yourself hanging out with others in your gospel community in ordinary, everyday life. And slowly but surely, you are learning to pray, play, laugh, cry, sit, study, plan, and to engage with each other's friends. In other words, you're learning to do life on life mission. Is that the kind of community you want to be in? Because it's definitely the kind of community I want to be in. G1 communities, we need to press in, turn up, 
share life, be purposeful in each other's lives. Uh, Crowded House Network goes on to say, we need to do church and mission in the context of everyday life. It's not an extra date in the diary. We must think of church as a community of people who share life, ordinary life, and the bedrock of mission will be ordinary life. So an everyday church with an everyday mission. It's not just Sundays, it's not just Wednesdays. It's every day of our lives. How can we start to knit in together to build a community that is attractive to people so that they can join us and we can get out into community to find where people are to bring them in? There's five things I want us to think about this morning, five questions that I'd like you to just reflect upon about the model of G1Cs that we have um, at God First. So are we, are you devoted to being in community? Community is part of, a, as a, is part of being a Christian. It's part of our walk. It's not an add an extra, it's a calling. And it's part of being in this church. So if you're not in a G1C yet, you need to get in one. It's not a Sunday thing. It's food and shared meals. It's those we want to, those we want to eat with, we also value. I love that. Our G1C is together every single week. And it's some of the best time we have sitting around just talking about everyday life. Don't be those who wait to be invited. Don't need to be needed. Ask someone else. Be hospitable. Take a risk. Are we, are you, devoted to being patient? Expressing our identity as an extended family takes intentionality over time. Don't go to a few G1Cs and think, oh, that was so boring, there's no one I like there. Well, what have you done to endear yourself to others? What is it that's difficult? Is there an obstacle in your life stopping you from engaging in that group? Are you going to give it time? Are you being intentional? Are you devoted to your image management? Are you masks off? Are we too codependent? We need to be vulnerable, challenged and accountable. Share your stories, but hear other stories too. Lots of people I've spoken to have said, <clears throat> well, I was around for a few weeks and then people stopped sort of talking to me. People sort of stopped inviting me around. And I said, well, did, you, did you invite anybody? Oh, I didn't think of that. G1 is a fast-moving church with lots of people coming. You, if you're part of this church, are now on the welcome team, whether you're on the rotor or not. It is your responsibility to love those people, to ask those questions, invite them for dinner, invite them round, invite them to your homes, invite them into your G1C. We want people to feel marginally harassed with welcome. (laughs) That is your job. The G1C leaders and the elders of this church cannot do all the welcoming. We all play our part. Are we devoted to Jesus and the gospel being the centre of our communities? That is the foremost and greatest calling of our G1Cs. It's not a codependent club where you take your issues and and feel rubbish about your life and then everybody goes home. It's a place where we come together and we point each other towards Jesus. And we use the gospel truths to change each other's lives, to deal with the real issues. Are you devoted to that? And are you devoted to the outpouring and outworking of grace? G1C should be a place for action. Unbelievers should feel that they can belong there. It's not a cosy club for Christians. We want to be attractive to broken people. We want to be loving to each other, open about our problems. Faith and repentance should be our daily activities. 
We should know that even as believers, we still need the gospel. I wonder which one of those is sticking in your mind as you reflect on your experience of your G1C. And community at G1 doesn't stop there. As I've mentioned, some of us are in something called threes. And they're more than a G1 community. They operate at a deeper level. They're kind of the next step. It's a gospel-centered conversation with spiritual growth. And the aim is that we bring each other to Jesus as he is our saviour. Threes are a time of real honesty. That last 10% of yourself that you think, if you really knew me, you definitely wouldn't be my friend. Without challenge and gospel change, G1C communities and threes are absolutely fruitless. And we've seen so many fruitless threes and G1Cs that have disbanded or met less and less regularly, and people in the group haven't felt like they've belonged. Perhaps that's because they were without challenge or without gospel change. Okay, so if we know the model, we know how G1 does it, and we want to be in them, what are the benefits of being in community? Apart from combating loneliness and building gospel sense of community and fighting all those statistics that we just read about the society that we live in, when we look back at Acts and the Acts of the church and the people who were in that church, the early church, they devoted themselves to fellowship. And what was the outcome? Well, (coughs) we can read on. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs. They were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all, as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's the context of the early church. These people knew to pursue God and just look what happened. By being in true, authentic community that was intentional, they were sharing life, They saw awe and wonder. They shared bread door-to-door with people. Can you imagine sharing communion door-to-door with your neighbours? They shared their meals together with gladness and sincerity. How how many times do you sit around the table gladly with true sincerity in your G1C or your family or whatever communities you belong to? And moreover, the greatest thing was that he was adding to their number. And ultimately... That's what we need. Our attitude to community has to be that it's good to grow. Sometimes I've thought, oh, church is growing so fast, I don't know people. Or someone say, oh, did you meet so-and-so and so-and-so? And And you're like, no, who are they? At one stage, I knew everybody in the church because there was about 30 of us. (laughs) And now I think, oh, there's couples I haven't spoken to for weeks. That's not good enough. When new people come to our church, we all need to ask ourselves, have I got room for their friendship? How can I help knit them in? It's for us to build. There's a challenge in John 17 when Jesus prays, Father, I want those you've given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you've given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Do you pray for those people in Cheltenham to be in this number, 
to be in our community? Are we in communities that are attractive enough to non-believers? Are we ready to receive the broken? It's not just about dealing with the brokenness of our own lives, but those who are out there. Have we got that attitude? Are we longing for the lost to be saved? For the broken to be knitted into our number? When are we going to fill the next level of seating in this church? It also says in Psalm 68, God sets the lonely in families and takes the foreigner and puts them in families. There was a huge statistic right at the beginning of older people who speak to someone less than once a week. Two million lone parents with dependent children. They're the lonely that need to be in our families. We're the family of the church. We want them in our family, in our community, to be loved. And what do we know of this from the community of the Trinity? What can we really learn? Well, community is costly. Inwardly and outwardly, community costs. If I think about God extending his community, that cost him Jesus. Real community takes time, effort and sacrifice. But it reaps eternal rewards. It might have cost him Jesus, but God's sacrifice rewarded all of us in the resurrection, ultimately in our salvation. And that's what we want to model in our community, in our fellowship. That we sacrifice part of ourselves and we give ourselves away freely. And in that, people will be saved and added to our number. That's our model for community and fellowship. That's what we believe at this church. And that's what the challenge is this morning to each of us, wherever we are on this journey in being in community. What is our obstacle, personal obstacle to being in community fully? And when we reflect on our community, what are we devoted to? We've all got a part to play in this mission. So in a few minutes, we're going to take communion. And during that time, you're buying into the sacrifice that God made of giving Jesus and Jesus giving his life for us. And as you take the communion, I really want you to reflect on what it means for you and your part in our gospel communities in this church. And once we've um, had some worship time and we've had communion, we're then going to have a time, a chance for us all to respond. And even if you're an introvert and you don't like stepping out, I'm going to really encourage you to come forward this morning so that we can help move this church on and build our communities for the kingdom. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk.